This is Ibrooks, the Rangers podcast. I'm Martin Douglas. And joining me tonight, we have two of our regular podders, Tommy McIntyre and Wally Boyd. Gentlemen, how are you? I'm fine. How are you, Martin? <laughs> yeah, long pause, long pause, long pause. I'm fine as well. It's just because I'm still off on holiday there. That's just an, that was an excuse for you, didn't you? Couldn't be asked coming on the podcast. I was too busy trimming my beard and hair. You know, somebody make a pun of that right at the start um, William's, uh, William's doing that, but that's probably your best contribution that uh, you've had to the podcast since it started, William. I think so. And so Wally, just have spoken, so... Well, Wally, we'll be calling you Boyd tonight because we've been joined by Wally Irvin for the Rangers Youth Updates. Wally, how are you doing? Oh, good, mate. What about yourself? I was all right until I realised I had two Williams on the podcast tonight and it's just totally fucked me right up. Yeah. That does happen in life, mate. There is a lot of volumes out there. There's loads of bullies. Um, I know right. that's more than anybody. Mm, it's embarrassing happened to me years ago, but I'm not even saying the story live. I'll tell you so fair. Well, you can't No, all my mates will be laughing at me right now. No, go for it, Dennis. Right. Two, people, two people laughing. Let's, let the rest of us enjoy it. <laughs> so there were a, a charity football event years ago, and there were two William boys at it, and I didn't know. And William Boyd won Player of the Tournament. And I thought it was me. So I'd oh. to get the award, walked on the way up. No, it's still you, Seller William Boyd. Oh, <laughs> oh ouch, ouch. Oh, feel free there, buddy. Feel free. That was so funny. I knew it wasn't me, but for some reason. And all yeah, my pals kind of, they all kind of was like, that's you, on you go. Nobody knew they were an air one. At least I don't think they did. I think I got stitched up. <laughs> that's a sore one. That is a sore one, William. Right, and for, for those of the listeners and viewers who have paid attention to social media over the last few days, we've been doing a giveaway for the fantastic singer Murray um, on Twitter for a, a picture, Tommy, that I believe um, you've got. I do, yeah. Um, singer was very, very kind to, to give us one of, those, one of those prints, and against my better judgment, I will allow it to slip through my fingers and go out to, uh, to a lucky winner. So... Um, once we, we choose the winner or whatever, I'll make sure that I, uh, I get the details and I pop it in the post myself. The winner has been chosen, but we shall reveal it later on in the podcast. Um, I'm right, trying to do that for continuity's sake there, Martin, and make no. it sound bad and gone that it's live. What do we want continuity for? We've, we've, not, we've not had it since day one. This is a very good point that you make. Just, just wait until I announce a segue later on. Um, <gasps> Right, obviously the breaking news today is that the club have announced a new club crest. So I'll just come to you for your initial quick thoughts and then we'll discuss it. So Wally Irvin of the Rangers Youth Updates, that's what I'm going to call you. Right. Where did you make it? Um look, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. I liked like the first badge that we ever brought out, you know, the old school kind of style. Um, but I do appreciate like everything's moving. It's modern. As I, you know, I watched like the half an hour bit on YouTube, and it's you know it's interesting. Obviously, things are moving forward with the digital era, and that's how the club are going to bring in more money. You know, they're going to expand the brand. So I totally accept it. But I'm just kind of I'm a bit older. Maybe I just don't maybe see stuff that the younger ones do. For me, I, I'm not a big fan of change, but. I'm not going to lose any sleep over it. You know, it's not going to stop me buying merchandise or anything. So 
you know, you just got to move on with it, really, don't you? Absolutely. I suppose, Tommy, in a way, it's a big change, but it's no a big change, really, is it? Well, yeah, and I think, uh, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Irwin there is, is spot on in terms of that's how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to call you by your surnames, gentlemen. I refuse to, to play <laughs> by anybody else's rules. Uh, I, th I think absolutely right. I, I'm the same. I'm a, a fairly big traditionalist and I, I like the older badges. Uh, when I first saw the new one, I thought, oh, it doesn't look as if you can actually tell it's a ball in the middle and stuff like that. But then I had another look at it, same as you, uh, William. I went and watched the video and this kind of uh, evolution, not revolution type of uh, scenario. I think it's quite it's quite nice. You know, it's got all the component parts that you really need in it. Uh, as you allude to as well, it's an update for the digital era. And so from a brand recognition point, it's there, it's what it needs to be. Does it fundamentally change the, um, the ability to use the older badges for certain things? And, you know, 150 year history coming over the hill, I'm, I'm, looking, at, I'm looking at you. Uh, no, it doesn't. So we might see some, you know, merchandise and stuff like that with those badges on it. But it's, uh, it's an update for the modern era. Uh, yeah, okay, fine. Um, I, I can't get any more exercised about it than that, to be honest with you. It says Rangers on it, so I, I genuinely like it. I know, do you know, I'm just not used to seeing Rangers at the top. I kind of get my head around it. Um, Wally Boyd, and calling you by your full name, that doesn't sound right. Um, but like I'm I said, being I, summoned. I know, I'm, I'm not used to seeing the Rangers at the top, and I'm not sure yet if I like it. Uh, well, my initial thoughts, I have sort of hated it, but it started to grow <laughs> on me a little bit. But, uh, like Wally Irvin, um, a, bit <laughs> like a, a bit of a traditionalist. Um, with a kind of older badge, I think it looked a bit better with a, the other kind of inner circle to kind of separate the, the, the Rangers Football Club for the actual kind of the ball in the middle, so to speak. Um, I like the line, it's been sharpened up a bit as well. So uh, I think that, even if we had just sharpened up the line, I'm sure people would have moaned about it anyway, but uh, it's, it's grown on me. Sorry, I took for what you said there when you first met Willie well, Irving, you hated him and now he's grown on you. That's what I thought you meant, which nah, I thought I was a bit harsh. I know, I try to compose myself there. I was <laughs> stuttering all over the place. Right, uh, okay. Right. Well, so listen, we'll move on to the league fixtures that were announced. And the first question I've got, Tommy, I'll, and I'll take it to you. Right, in the big leagues, right, in England and stuff, if you're a West Ham or a Newcastle, I suppose it kind of makes a difference, the order of the games, you know, the schedule of the games. Mm -hmm. Does it make that much a difference for us or Celtic? By and large, no, is your, is your, your top answer there in terms of we have to play all these teams, we need to beat all these teams. And that's not the point, and it's not the point of your question, I, I imagine as well. Uh, or the thrust of that is when is a random generator, not a random generator, um, when it spits out whatever you've told it to spit out. So it was no great surprise. I don't think anybody clutched their chest uh, in fear for their heart being shocked to heart attack stages when they saw that Rangers were drawn away to a difficult venue. And Pataudry is a difficult venue, let's be quite clear about that. And other clubs maybe got slightly easier ones and at the first Old Firm game, for some reason, uh, decided to decamp from its usual spot and go, I'm away for a wee holiday um, a, couple of, a couple of weeks back. So I think that's the, that's the point. The, the fixture itself, who we're playing, total misnomer, let's not concentrate on it. Because you need to go to all these places and you need to win and you need to get good results. And that was Rangers' you know, problem over the past you know, couple of years, or year and a half, let's say, in that we dropped points at venues where we shouldn't have, and we couldn't see out results. And you need to get up for every game. 
but it's the fact that everybody could have told you right before the, the fixtures came out. There was enough noise, background noise, from trusted sources in terms of other clubs' media output that Steel Firm game would probably move because we really need to accommodate supporters. Okay, that's that's a fairly new one, um, and it's a nuanced view in the COVID world, but also that Rangers would get a tough draw. And it's, I don't know what the odds are on lotteries, guys. Maybe somebody can do the quick calculation, but random generator, with all those permutations of fixtures, um, two seasons out of three, you get Rangers going away to Pataudry in the open day of the season. Well, that is an absolute bonus ball um, <laughs> predictor right there. So, aye, that's the, that's the thing that nobody was surprised about. And just to bookend that, it goes back to my comment a couple of weeks ago on the podcast where I said, the thing with the SPFL is when these decisions come out or these questions come out, people go, ah, but it's the SPFL. We know what it's going to be like. That's what needs to change. And that that's the the main point, I think, uh, Wally, uh, Urban, I should say, that we take away from this. How random is a random generator when everybody that I spoke to says, Celtic will get Ham on a home, you'll get Aberdeen away? Yeah, well, yeah. Personally, I've never really been surprised by anything that's happened the last few years. <laughs> you know, when you've watched football for like 30 plus years and you see what's happened to us the last couple of years and some of the games we've been given early doors, you know, any one of those teams could have been in a away game apart from Celtic, obviously, because they're obviously going to be at home. But to draw Aberdeen twice in three seasons seems strange, they mm-hmm. say the least. For the Celtic game to be the last game of... Yeah, loving yet again, that doesn't happen very often. It just happens to be that a certain club had requested that that was the case and that's how it's worked out to be. You know, I'm not a paranoid person by any stretch of the imagination, but it certainly doesn't look great for the outside when you look at the Canelli doors and the fixtures and the fact that the last game of the first batch is the Celtic game, which is what they pretty much asked for. But, you know, if you go and ask questions of the SPFL or anybody else, you're just going to look like you're paranoid. That's why the club just have to accept it and move on almost. Yeah, thank you. And then that's the thing, Wally Boyd. Should should we just kind of accept it and say, right, well, listen, it's a league fixtures, so there's nothing we can do about it? Or should Rangers come out and go, hold on a minute, this is another string to the bow of all the bullshit that's been on the last few weeks? Or did we just underline it and go, we'll just go on with the season? I think we just need to be the, the bigger man and move on kind of thing and just take it as it comes. We're going to need to play these teams anyway. But the, the kind of thing that gets me is, I don't know if we'd still have uh, fans in the stadium by October, because I think Germany are going to be bringing fans in in October, and they're way ahead of us in terms of playing football and can just how they came out of lockdown. They came out of lockdown before us, kind of started easing restrictions. Yeah, I just feel like, well, i seen it when, but I don't know if it's true. I've never done any research into behind it. But there, somebody reckons that that's the semi-final weekend on the 11th. And I think it might be right, because did we not have that problem with St Johnston with a game that we never, ever played? Um, and maybe that game's going to be put back even further because the restrictions might not be fully eased by that point and they want a, a full park head, basically. It's, it's, take away the point of the full park head, Tommy, right? See if it was... Rangers or Celtic who were at home first. Would I know that everything's supposed to be, you know, on the line and stuff, but would they not have the right to say, listen, we generate the most money for Scottish football, Rangers and Celtic. So we technically should have the best opportunity to be able to have our fans in the stadium. Interesting arguments. 
mean, it's a bullshit sure. argument, but... Yeah, but even even in real terms, I'm not entirely sure that would hold water. Because what you said is Rangers and Celtic are the biggest, uh, richest clubs that draw the money. TV deals already mm. in situ. So if you invert that, if you get a kind of delta of that argument, you would say, well, hold on. Does Celtic having a full stadium mean as much to Celtic as it would to a, a smaller club that could pack out the stadium? So let's say you chose a Rangers going away to... Um, who's Tinney? Christ, Motherwell, right? Um, I could have taken my pick of any other club in the SPF, uh, SPL there, but I'll choose Motherwell this time. Tiny, right? And let's say you don't move the old firm game and you say, well, that date there might be the first time that we can allow fans into stadiums, right? And the first time fans are allowed into stadiums, they are going to be absolutely packed, right? Because people are just desperate to go and do the match day experience thing. So you say, well, that is a, almost a guarantee of a full house for Motherwell, a club that could absolutely do with the money. Whereas, you know, Celtic, we keep being told, are the richest club in the country. They don't necessarily need that money you're speaking about. So you see what I mean there? In terms yeah, no, of, I, I, like, the argument just doesn't, it doesn't, yeah, I know you weren't making the case for that, let me be quite clear, but it doesn't hold together even in that financial structural sense. So, yeah, you, you would ask questions about that, as, as we've alluded to. Is it any surprise that it was asked for, uh, hoped for, and then randomly generated? Oh, well, that's, that's surprising. Well, Celtic Park be absolutely filled with Celtic fans. I'm not entirely sure it will be, but that's maybe one for <laughs> that's maybe one for them. But uh, yeah, I just the argument about having having fans there maybe doesn't work from a financial sense. And then just going back to William B's point, um, in terms of the the, the German football league uh, was a Deutsche Fußballbund, whatever its whatever its official name is, and the UK. I think we said last week. Uh, that you're probably looking at October, November, maybe even slightly beyond in the UK before anybody's really attending sporting events from a public perspective. And I think that's been borne out with some of the comments by the Scottish First Minister, Nicola Sturgeon, as well. So, uh, yeah, lots to think about in there. But ultimately, somebody wanted to gain moved. Lo and behold, it got moved. So the argument I made there... I suppose if you were going to answer it, you would say, well, the sporting integrity thing you do would be to have the team with the less money on the final game for the best chance of having fans. And if you're taking it from a sporting integrity point of view. Well, I see what you just did there. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that's one of those phases that anywhere else in the world means one thing, and in Scotland, it's for sale. So at what price sporting integrity? And you'll have to go door to door, club to club, to find out what their price is. Um, maybe start with Dundee and work your way down uh, the clubs in Scotland for that. So yeah, sporting integrity is a in italics if you want to put that. You could probably put sporting integrity integrity um, in italics on a couple of clubs' gravestones. Maybe in the coming the coming months. Well, when uh, you say when you say Dundee, I thought I heard Tesco FC, but um, but well, I'll take this to you right because this might be a really stupid question, but. Have the Rangers B or Rangers Reserves fixtures been announced yet? Officially, the players aren't really back. So I think until they got all the you know, the guidelines for the government, they'll probably not be able to confirm anything. It sounds like there's a rough start date, maybe some point in August, that the players will be back in some capacity. But yet again, until the guidelines are coming out for the government... It's kind of hard to know exactly how they're going to work. I mean, I think at the moment with the first team, you're only allowed so many players in at one time. That includes, like, coaches. So, 
if that's the case, how do you call in like the B team and the A-teams? Because alone, there's probably something like 45 players in like, those two groups. So you probably couldn't call all of those players in at one time as it currently stands. So I think until everything's totally sort of relaxed, I don't think they'll do that much. Um, it might be September before maybe you start seeing actual academy football again. Mm-hmm. And I think at that, it'll be, it'll be friendlies, basically. Because it doesn't sound like some clubs are even going to have teams in the 18s, never mind like the Reserve League. It sounds as though it's pretty desperate for some teams at the moment, to be honest. I should just say the reason that I keep looking is because I'm in my house house tonight and they're standing at the window waving at me and trying to put me after in the podcast. <laughs> so every time I do that, it's because there's somebody at the window doing my nothing. Um, Sorry, are they, are they on the outside of the window? Have you kicked them no, out? No, I've kicked them out of the house. Yeah, yeah, they're out, they're out oh, in the back okay. garden. Ah, right, okay. As long as they're self-isolating, then that's absolutely fine. Yes, of course, yes. Um, even though the restrictions have been lifted. But, well, I'd see you in the... Hold on, not completely. I'll edit that out. <laughs> well, I, well, I'd see when the fixtures get announced. Did you have the same feeling that you would normally have when the fixtures get announced and you go, yes, can I wait to get back in there? Uh, nah, not really. I think that's just down to the fact that you can't really go to the games or anything. But I'm excited, can't wait to see Rangers, kind of how we're going to cope with the, the scenarios that we're going to come up against. You know, we're, we're talking about going up to Pitodri going to be a tough game. There's going to be no fans, so it's like the unknown, really. Um, could potentially be the first full round of fixtures well, for them games. No fans there. You just need to see how the, the players are going to adapt. I remember watching the, the pre-season game against uh, Kish Kent or something was it? in January. Um, Tash and it was, it was just like a training game. Uh, and they were on the intensity for the players. And that's the kind of, that's my worry in case we come maybe with that attitude because there's no kind of singing, there's no people on your back, there's nobody backing you. It's just going to be interesting to see how the team's going to come and face these kind of challenges. That's actually quite a good point, Tommy. And like you're saying, Aberdeen away is probably one of the hardest away games that we can have. But are we going to be in for a few... I don't want to go too much into it, but are we going to be in for a few surprises maybe next season with there being no fans and the fact that we haven't played football for ages? Yeah, there's going to be some some interesting performances from the team and individual performances, right? People are going to be ring rusty because of the way that the pre-season's been structured and stuff like that. But that, that applies to everybody. So, you know, level playing field, don't look for excuses on that. And then in terms of fans, yeah, it probably impacts, you know, Rangers because we get an Ibrox which is rocking its full house all the time and the players are, are used to that. Um, going to put Audrey, you know, at least there won't be banners about ripping Rangers players' heads off or people's mothers being mattresses, um, although I sense that they might still sneak them in there somewhere. But something that uh, William B pointed out as well is maybe something we haven't thought about. Uh, I'm just going to keep mixing it up as I go through the podcast. By the end of it, I'm just going to be calling them Jim and Steve or something like that (laughs) as well. But um, there is that part as well, considering we've got a fairly young squad in certain areas of the pitch. And, you know, uh, William I, you might have a a real view on this from any youngsters who are, who are stepping up in terms of being in the, the first team squads in the coming season. Um, and I know we're going to touch on that touch on that later. But there's going to be, particularly at Ibrox, less away from home, but particularly at Ibrox, if you make a mistake, you're not going to have all the grumbling. Mm-hmm. And let's be quite clear, you know, we've all heard it and we've all seen it, right? One mistake and all of a sudden you're, you know, you're fit for the knackers. We've probably so we participated to- in it, Tommy. <laughs> 
Uh, well, I, I, I'm that lone voice sitting <laughs> obviously. Um, but, uh, no, but the point I'm making is young squads, young talented players who maybe could, could go into their shell um, or that grumbling not helping them, that might not happen to them. So they might play a wee bit freer and we might see some of that adventurous football that sometimes doesn't pay off. But, you know, ultimately that's what we want to see. So it might help a few players just to settle in a wee bit and work on their game in the first couple of games of the season before the fans start returning. So I think the interesting part at the end of that is it'll be interesting to see how players perform and teams perform with no fans and then halfway through the season or whatever, fans start to actually come back into the stadiums. That might be a really interesting wee bit to watch. But I just hope it doesn't happen in about January because that's all we need um, coming off the back of Dubai or something like that. But aye, that would be my take. It's not just going to be, uh, and I'll take us to Willie Irwin, it's not just going to be without fans. It's going to be how the, the players perform, especially in the early part of the season, but the fact that they haven't played for, what's that, three, four months? Because if you, watch, if you watched any of the Bundesliga at the beginning, and even the EPL, the games were pretty bad. They were terrible. You know, I think it's, it's hard to find that intensity. Because you know, a lot of games that are, that are built up to be big games in England that I've watched so far haven't been particularly great. You know, the quality's no. been quite poor. And, but I think for me, the biggest worry is that if you lose a couple of games early doors, it's how do you then like sort of try and find that winning feeling again? Especially when you don't have the crowd. Because in some games, even when you're drawing, it can sometimes be the crowd that pushes you forward, can sometimes sneak a late winner. And I just don't know how it's going to react. I mean, like sort of being at some development games, there's like 15, 20 people there. Like you don't really hear anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe for the younger players it maybe wouldn't surprise them as much as maybe like you know an experienced first team guy who's been used to playing in front of crowds whereas the academy guys really aren't you know I mean sometimes you're lucky if there's a hundred people at some of the bigger games out with like the you know the games at Partick Thistle and I just think if I'm no if I'm no playing in front of supporters it is going to be difficult I don't care what anybody says and it could mean a slip up against a team that it's going to surprise supporters, but it's it's strange. It's going to be weird watching the games, no noise, no supporters singing. I actually really don't know what to expect. I don't think people should be expecting us to go out and win like the first seven or eight games. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be quite that easy. Well, one person, uh, Wally Boyd, who isn't going to uh, face feel any pressure and isn't going to be playing in front of no supporters, never mind a full eyebrows, is Nicola Katic. Um, it was obviously announced that he's suffered a, a bad injury. I still don't know because I haven't checked if we know what the injury is, but he's certainly going to be out for a period of time. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, some of the early rumours were that it was his cruciate ligament, which is a nasty uh, for everything I've heard. I've not actually done it myself playing football, but uh, the reports are saying if that is the case, he could be out for six to nine months. That's a a long time, especially in his young career, you know, he's got a lot of kind of development still to do, um, even though he's kind of been regular in our first team. Uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how he comes back. And um, another thing just on that, I've been kind of wondering maybe if he's built up a bit too much in pre-season and maybe that's sort of led his kind of knee to give way or, or whatever's happened, you know, it could have just been a collision. But uh, I think when it happened, there should have been no contact sport. Well, I think that the sad thing, Tommy, is, and it's sad, obviously, because he's got the injury and he's a Rangers player, but I think this is going to be a really big season for Katic. 
and everything that we seen um, on social media and stuff, like what I was saying there, he was constantly working out. He was using the, the the time off well, and he was looking fit and ready to go in and maybe make a challenge. Yeah, absolutely. His his physique, etc., was very reminiscent of mine. Um, <laughs> guys, obviously can't see from here, here down on the on the podcast, but uh, yeah, if it is indeed the the crusade, and rings have been very coy, obviously not to confirm uh, officially what it is, but yeah, recovery time as, as William alludes to is uh, six to nine months or whatever, and that's you need know, you need to take into account if it's damaged the cartilage round about the knee or the meniscus and all that kind of stuff or just being a pure cruciate um, damage. You look at it both ways in terms of his age. Uh, yeah, he's young and it's a big moment for him, but he's also young and hopefully the recovery time will be better and his recovery progress will, will be swift on that type of thing. Um, but it, there's no doubt it's a big one. It, I, I agree with you, Martin. It was going to be a big season for Nikola Katic because he's one of those players that Rangers really see things in him, but he's had a turbulent, I think it's probably right to say a turbulent time, Rangers, some good performances, some right horror shows, which you kind of expect from a younger player anyway. Um, and he seems to have got his kind of mental side of the game together, whereas he wasn't overthinking, he wasn't taking things to heart, he's worked really hard, he's, he's obviously impressed at the coaching stuff. But yeah, I think Rangers probably just need to plan for 2021 minus Nikola Katic. Um, and then that leads you to maybe the, the conversation of does someone step up? And the Rangers go with that. Do they need somebody to come in? I don't think Nikola Katic was going to be starting. I've said this before. I think our starting pairing was going to be Goldson Hellander because mm-hmm. I think that's the most natural and best centre-back pairing that we have. Will we miss physicality that Katic could have brought and the fact he's a decent defender? Oh, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt. Hits his value as well, unfortunately. Um, and depending on the recovery, that might have a, an impact on his value forever. Um, but yeah, it will lead us down to do we replace him in the short term with a loan or a step up from the, the youths. William I will be you know perfectly placed to talk to that. But yeah, it's a big, big blow and you, you feel for the you feel for the guy as well. I think the, the last thing was, just judging by the rumours, don't know this for certain, but it was one of those ones where it wasn't a challenge. Nobody, nobody was near him Aye. and it just it just went. So yeah, you're wondering, is it just a freak? And Rangers seem to suffer from it torrent of these bloody injuries and um, it's always cruciate ligament injuries <laughs> as well um well i think murray park needs kind of extra ambulance base uh, built into it but yeah was it was it the overworking out and being too muscular and not having the flexibility in the knee was it a freak accident is it just one of the things injuries happen in football our best in equal catch we hope his recovery is really swift but the team needs to move on and so mm. that's what we need to focus on well, this is the beauty of having uh, Wally Irwin on the podcast because I've heard some discussions, Wally, about, right, okay, do we need to go out and replace Katic when there's probably other areas of the team that we should be spending money on? Because like Tommy says, he wasn't necessarily going to be a starter. But the question is, do we have anybody in the youths that's ready to step up? Um, I think it's difficult. I mean, when you look at somebody like... Lewis Mayo, he's only really had a short loan spell at Partick Thistle. I think he played like three or four games before COVID kicked in. He is still only 20, I think Lewis is. So he's still young. He's maybe not had the game time that maybe he would have hoped to have. 
I still look at George Edmondson. I mean, like George and Nico, there's not a huge like sort of age difference mm-hmm. between the two. I think Nico's twenty three and George is twenty two. George is twenty three next month from memory. But like the two of them haven't really played like that many difference in terms of like, amount of games. I think I think when I looked at some of the stats earlier, Nico had played like hundred and thirty games. George Edmondson's played hundred and ten. So there's not like, a huge difference between the two. I mean, you look at where Nico's came from in Croatia from a kind of lesser team in the top division. George Edmonton's obviously came for older people will say, well, that's a lower level. But is it really? Mm. You know, eh, how good are the teams in the bottom six in Croatia? We've always played some good Croatian teams over the years, but how good are, you know, some of these teams that are just bringing through maybe like academy players in the main and then they're looking to sell them on for profit? So I don't know. I mean, I would have George as my third choice. And then I think you should probably saw me tweeting I wouldn't have a problem with like sort of Robbie, eh, sorry, eh, Ross McCrory coming back and being the fourth choice. And he could also be, you know, the sort of versatile player that, you know, if you need an extra right back in a game, if you need somebody sitting in the midfield. I don't really see why people have a problem with Ross coming back and potentially offering... Well, just a, sorry, well, just a question on Ross to you directly there. Do you think the you set up for the management team actually view Ross as a long-term centre-back or is it just that flexibility piece that they're looking for? Well, I mean, in the main, when I watched Ross, he always played centre-back. It was more so, I think he had a short spell in air where they moved him a bit kind of further forward. They played in that holding role and he did quite well. And then he's come back and then obviously Graham Murray kind of played a minute centre-back as a youngster. Obviously, he made a few mistakes. Like a lot of young defenders make mistakes mm-hmm. at that age. And then, like, Gerard came in and he seemed to kind of throw him under the bus a wee bit with, like, his comments saying that he didn't really feel as though that was his best position, moved him into defensive midfield. I've never really felt that's where Ross is he's most comfortable. I've always seen him as a defender. I think his best work is going to come either as a full-back or a centre-back. Some people would say he's not got the physicality. But, like, you know, you don't need to have the physicality to, like, sort of read the game well. You know, you don't need to have the physicality to win a header, to win a tackle, to step in front of somebody. So I've never really got the whole physical argument. Because, like, so Lewis Mayo's no particularly physical compared to, like, George Edmondson or Nico Katic. Mm-hmm. But, like, he reads the game well. You know, he can bring the ball out for the back. He's a good ball-playing centre-back. So, I mean, to me, like, there's enough options there for the club to look at what we've got. People are saying, oh, go out and bring in an experienced player in loan for a year. But what does that say to Lewis Mayo? Mm-hmm. I mean, the boy's out of contract at the end of the season. You're going to bring in like a 32, 33-year-old centre-back, play him for a season. So by the time Lewis comes back in a year's time, he's 21. Is he really ever going to be a regular at Rangers at 21 if he's not already been in the first team playing some games this season? And this is always like my kind of thing with supporters, as it seems it's always like short-sightedness. Last season it was, you know, we can't play guys because we're trying to stop nine in a row. This season, or we can't play youngsters because it's 10 in a row. I don't care. Mm. You know, if the boys are ready to play, put them into the team. It's, but then it's just going to be if, if the unthinkable happens and they manage to win the league, then it's going to be, well, we need to stop 11, we need to stop 12. It's, never, it's, going, it's never going to end. And I think, I, I think actually Ross McCrory said himself that he feels he's a centre back. Look, I mean, this is an argument I've had on Twitter. I mean, I, well, Tosh, I've actually stopped arguing with people about it because people are so strong-willed about it. Ross is a holding midfield player. Ross is a holding midfield player. And I'm saying, right, that's fine, guys. That's your opinion. 
I don't have a problem with people having opinions, but my opinion is he's a centre-back. And like, so whenever I bring that up, it's just, that's what he did at academy level, that means nothing. It's like, well, if he spent like four, five, six years of his life being a centre-back, then it sort of does mean something. Aye, aye. Very fair point. If I can just chuck in a wee, <laughs> another wee comment to that, though, because we've not touched on him yet. Calvin Bassey. Yeah. Can play centre-back mm -hmm. as well. Well, I don't know if you saw him when he was playing for Leicester, uh, Leicester Reserves and stuff like that, but my understanding is he is... Uh, Started out as a centre back and then went to left back. Is that right? Is that what well, we have only seen him in that one game at Ibrooks? And to be honest with you, I didn't remember him that well. But I mean, if you're talking about supporters wanting a physical player <laughs> as a fourth choice, I mean, he, he looks like a fairly substantial sized fella, you know. And to me, in Scottish football, obviously, half the battle is big punts up the park. You know, guys like Dykes have done a good job at, at Livingston. Cosgrove's done a good job at Aberdeen, so you do need to have that similar side to your game, I suppose. So, I mean, if you had to drop in there as a fourth choice, then that's fair enough. But I would rather that we did use Ross or Lewis because I think it's a good thing for the academy. And it also shows that the managers get a bit of faith in players. And as I keep saying to a lot of people, maybe people laugh at it, but how do you entice players to sign contracts when every summer something happens and you just go out and sign somebody else. I mean, that must be heartbreaking for guys that are 18, 19. You know, you're that one step closer. I mean, even somebody like Calvin Bassey coming in, I mean, that's like a slap in the face to James Maxwell, who signed a new deal until 2022. He's now third choice left back, whereas he could have possibly been the backup, which I think it was probably a year early. But even at that, it's tough to just keep the motivation going every year when maybe you see somebody else coming in and you're just dropping further down the pecking order. Well, I made this point a while ago when Billy Gilmore went down to Chelsea and then we've seen him in a couple of games for Chelsea and he's, he's featured in a couple since. But my point was, if we don't start bringing through young players, right, and we can't entice like, the Billy Gilmore's to stay by saying, no, see, you show promise you'll get in the first team. Because I'm just going to look at the situation we've got now and I'm going to go, I might as well go down to Chelsea and not get in their team and put a couple of zeros on the end of my, my, my wage at the end of the week. Um, but, I don't think anybody's ever going to argue that. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I say it on Twitter quite regularly. Like, so, players do seek assurances when they sign these contracts. I mean, mm -hmm. but I'm pretty sure Nathan Patterson, you know, before he signed his deal, probably looked for certain assurances that he was maybe going to be in and round about the first team in terms of training and that he was possibly going to come on against Strenra that night or he was going to start the game, you know, when he was in contract negotiations. I know some supporters don't think these things go on, but they do. I mean, young boys want to know that they're going to get a chance. You know, if you're going to sit and tell a boy that he's going to play, and then a year later he's not even been had a sniff of the first team, he's just wasted a year of his career when he could have been down playing somewhere else regularly or earning more money at another club, potentially. I go to Chelsea, get a few extra grand a week and go and loan to League 2 and play. But, Willie Boyd, do you think it might be slightly easier for the manager to maybe take a gamble on a youth player? to uh, replace Katic. See, this Katic was, wasn't going to be first choice anyway. Um, ah, there is that as well. We've only really played with two centre-backs as well. So I don't think, like, if we bring Ross or Lewis in, um, we're going to have, like, more than enough because highly unlikely we're going to probably need to use them uh, through the season. I don't think we will need to use them, sorry. Um, and I think we've got other positions that we, we should really go for first. Um, but just talking about like replacements and who we, 
Do you think Leon King is just too young to step up? Uh, to maybe fill that position because he's apparently highly ra- la- uh, rated in the youth system. Um, I don't know if it's maybe far too early for him to maybe come in physically and, and obviously mentally with the game as well. Yeah, look, I mean, in terms of like Leon, I mean, Leon's 16, but he's already a big, strong boy. I think it would be a hell of a jump to go from in the main like, under-18 football to the first team. Yeah. But, you know, like Leon didn't sign that two-year deal to be still playing under-18 football in two years' time when he's 18. Mm-hmm. I think the idea with somebody like Leon this coming season would be to get him into this kind of new B team that they've set up. And it might be that they'll do what they did with Nathan and Kai last year. If we get a lesser quality of opposition in one of the cup games, Leon might be sitting on the bench. Yeah. Because, yeah, again, like, so a Leon... By all accounts, I mean, I don't know this for certain, but I mean, you hear a lot of things, and it sounds like Leon had quite a lot of options available to him, and he probably could have earned more money by going elsewhere. So the fact he stayed at Rangers, Rangers have obviously gave him enough assurances that, you know, they see him as a future star at the club, and that, you know, they believe he could be in the first team in, I don't know, two, three years' time, potentially. Yeah. Right, we're going to come back to the youths in a wee minute because I want to take a bit of a, a deeper dive into it, Willie, and, and, and get right in about it. Um, I'm going to announce the winner of the giveaway, but before I do that, Willie Boyd and Tommy, I put in the WhatsApp group the two My Gears teams that we're going to be looking at. So if you want to have a wee swatch at that, and I'll get you to read out a team each. So but before we come to that, I'm going to find it. Right, so the winner of the art giveaway, the Senga Murray print, is BDA1872. That's B-E-A-N-E-Y-1872. So, Beanie, if you're watching, give the, this is iBrook's Twitter a wee message. And if you don't get in contact with us in the next couple of days, we'll get in contact with you. So... Yeah, congratulations. Actually, can we just amend that, Martin? If you don't get in contact in the next couple of days, Tommy is going to keep the print because he doesn't want to give up. <laughs> <laughs> right, um, and, and I should actually also just say a big thank you to everybody who subscribed to our YouTube channel as well. Um, that's constantly growing along with our Twitter and Facebook um, and Instagram. I always forget Instagram because I don't like it. Um, but that, everything's growing. So, uh, again, thanks to everybody watching, listening, subscribing, he- heading to our website. This is ibrooks.co.uk. So, gentlemen, yes, um, I should have actually said to you which team to pick. Um, so I'll go with Willie Boyd first. What team do you want to go with to read out? So give me the yeah, name, would... the name of his, if they've left what year they've been watching it and just read out the full team. Um, I'll read out Jonathan's. Um, his earliest memory was when he was six at the Battle of Britain game in 1992, Leeds United Champions League match. Um, so I'll start with his goalkeeper. Uh, well, he's playing 4 4 2 and a diamond. Um, he's got Al McGregor in goals. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. Just stop there. Just stop oh, there. Jonathan. <laughs> the game's a bogey. <laughs> I was quite surprised with that, especially when he said about when he started watching the team. But there we go. I think he must be Scots, mate. Um, <laughs> Rickson, right back. Uh, with Moore and Amoruso, uh, centre half. And my man, Sasa Papach, left back. Jonathan, Jonathan, this is terrible. <laughs> He's got uh, Barry Ferguson holding the holding the kind of defensive midfielder role with Albertson Gascoigne in the middle. Just behind the strikers, he's got Brian Loudrop 
and up top he's got plenty of goals and Chris Boyd and Ali McCoy's. Right, Willie Irwin, if you had the choice between Andy Gorham and Alan McGregor, as great a goalkeeper as Alan McGregor is, don't get me wrong, I don't want to sway your vote here, but who are you picking? I think I told you the last time, like, the greatest goalkeeper I've seen in my 37 years is Andy Gorham. And that's just, just because of the amount of times he made saves that I never felt were possible, or games that, even that Leeds game that night, probably wondering at Ellen Road that night. I mean, the amount of chances that Leeds created and he made some of the best saves. And I, I think the end of the match like Cantona was almost smiling at him because he couldn't believe it. The amount of saves he made. Unbelievable. I, mean, I, know, I, I think Jonathan must be on glue, if I'm being honest with you, reading that team. <laughs> See, to be honest, I that... actually watched that game in 92. <laughs> <laughs> you could pick that whole team. Yeah, oh, that's true, actually. That is very true. That's a good point. To be honest, I think Alan McGregor's one of the goalkeepers that, that once he retires, everybody will be like, do you know what, he was a right good Rangers goalkeeper. And I think that's maybe when we're going to get more kind of comparisons between uh, him and Gorham. Uh, no, listen, absolutely. Alan McGregor has been a phenomenal, phenomenal goalkeeper for us. But he is no Andy Gorham. I'll put that on record right now. He is no Andy Gorham. And, I will, and I'll immediately back that up. Alan McGregor is a great keeper. Andy Gorham was an unbelievable goalkeeper. But there's no, there's no real comparison. There really isn't. I didn't really grow up watching him, but it's just some of the saves McGregor's made that you could probably. No, no, absolutely. The, the one way, the one way against Weather Bremen's similar to me. Bit, like he that. never, but well, he, well, he never saved a scissor kick for Van Houdonk for two yards. So it's similar, but to know, me, it's no similar. It's no similar. Oh, but listen, man. we could, we could, we could sit oh. here and argue. Tommy, give me a Tommy rating for that team. Oh, you know, I'm just looking at it again, and you know, Jonathan, <laughs> you said your earliest memory was was age six for the Battle of Britain. We are getting a six. That is, I wouldn't even have given him a six. I'm sorry, Jonathan. I'm being, very kind. I'm being very kind because he went to the trouble to email it in. It's a six. We've looked at that again with VAR. Turns out you did you did make a foul on the player. You're getting a five. Sorry, Jonathan. That's 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 not working for me in, in a lot of ways, buddy. Uh, Jonathan, that uh, you shouldn't even have bothered emailing in. I'm really angry with that. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, your team mate, absolutely phenomenal. Right, Tommy, give me yours. Well, this, uh, this team, for some reason, uh, William, who went first, decided to take the second team that was on the WhatsApp group because that's logical. So I'll, I'll do the first one that came in. Um, this is from Alan Douglas. No relation. Um, so, uh, no, no relation to, to the host. Uh, so thank you very much, Alan, for, for taking the time to send it in. And he says, been watching my whole life. We can only really vividly remember from about seven years old. So that's 1988 time. Uh, so he's got well, sucker 32 years to in the bank, so to speak, to troll through. And he goes for a, it doesn't really say, you know, if I'm playing any diamond or anything like that, but it looks like a, I'm going to say it can either be a, a straightforward 4-4-2 or a 4-2-2-2, depending on you know, how you want to deploy it. So uh, take, take from that what, what you want. Goalkeeper gets it right, so it's a good start because he goes for Andy Gorham. 
Uh, actually, I'm looking at this and oh, you know what, Alan's, yeah, okay, I'm not going to prejudice, I'm not going to prejudice the, the judges here, but um, right back, Gary Stevens. Good right back. Yeah, yeah. Centre back pairing, uh, and I think William uh, I might, might like this, Goff and Butcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. left back, uh, left back. Don't we all know it? Ring the Newman bell. <laughs> so why not? Right? Uh, Arthur Newman in there. So uh, again, well done, well done, Alan. Um, centre mids, uh, Gaza Ferguson. That's Barry Ferguson, not not Ian. Uh, by the way, uh, out on the left, he's got Jorg Alberts. Mm. Um, mm. Out on the right, he's got Brian Loudrup. Mm. I'm looking suspiciously like my team, to be honest with you, bits and bits. <laughs> so, well done, Alan. Um, and then up front, he's got that classic pairing, McCoy's Tately. Right, so now, go, before, go, before, before right, go for it. Sorry, just to wrong. Gorham, Newman, Goff, Butcher, mm. Stevens, Gaza, Barry Ferguson, Loudrop, Alberts, McCoy's Tately. Right, Wally Irwin, we had, we had this conversation the last time you were on as well. It seems awfully yeah, familiar. Bro, Newman over Robertson? Look, I mean, I've just always been a big David Robertson fan. That's just, I always felt that yeah, that link that Loudrop and Robertson had together was sensational. Yeah, mm-hmm. A lot of people always been, yeah, Loudrop is an unbelievable player, but David Robertson's runs on the inside of the defender, on the outside of the defender, they just up. Some of the damage they did down that side of the pitch to teams was was unbelievable. I mean, let's be honest, Arthur was a Dutch international left oh, back. Yeah, yeah. When we signed him, the guy was a high-class player. My biggest great with Arthur Newman was always that once we get knocked out of Europe, he seemed to pick up an injury and he'd miss the rest of the season. I think he did that like maybe two years. But sure, at the end of the year, injuries can happen to anybody. But it just seemed to be that once the big kind of games were passed by, Arthur was like, hmm... You know, and then that was the season gone. But look, there's no great mate. Arthur Newman was a quality player, and he picked between the two of them as probably one of the more difficult positions on the pitch. But for me, it was David Robertson. It's, it's well, tough... I just want to say, you say that, William, right? But never look at Alan's email. <laughs> the email address is spatestonbear.com. Right, Wally boy, give me a remark out of 10 for Alan's team. Um, oh, the pressure on me. Um, I'll say a 7.5. I, I like these that. points. I like Aye. these points. He's good. That is a good team, Alan. I've got to say, Alan, that's a much better pick than Jonathan, even though he's both got the left back Ryan. But listen, I'm going to, I'm going to let that slide. Uh, but listen, Alan and Jonathan, listen, thanks very much for taking the time to email them in. We've got two more that we're going to do next week. Um, but again, that's brilliant. Thanks for taking the time to email in, even though he's got the left back Ryan. What do we think? Get some of the older players to comment, and the old players team would be great. See, like guys who watched the team in the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, they would mm-hmm. be great ideals, because there's yeah. too many guys on social media that I've only seen maybe the last 20 years of Rangers, 25, 30 years. Aye, I'm just wondering. I grew up, and my dad was always telling me about the teams in the 70s, how great the team was that won the Cup Winners Cup, and, but I never had the pleasure of seeing these guys play, so it's hard for me to sit and say, 
you know, he's better than him. Because mm-hmm. I didn't see that team or people that say, you know, uh, sort of Cooper was better than Loudrop. But I mean, a lot of guys never seen Cooper play. Mm-hmm. Or the guys that never seen McCoy's play or Morris Johnston or or whoever else. Oh. I mean, that's the reality of it, you know. So, I mean, it's, and for a lot of guys that use social media, like as a younger generation that use social media, so a lot of guys are just going to have the same sort of repetitive names. I know, but listen, if you've, if you've seen Andy Gorham and Alan McGregor, you're always picking Gorham, I'm sorry, there's just, just no contest. Sorry, well, That's a few that's not, so... Are they wrong? Well, people are always wrong, yeah, it happens, and, and we're here to educate, that's, that's yes. one of the, the points of the podcast, so I'm going to say I'm going to pin my colours to the mask here, and Alan's team, 3-0 up at half-time, Jamie's <laughs> uh, pulled one back, and then Alan's finished 4-1 up. Full-time whistle, 4-1 victory, Alan. Absolutely, absolutely. Right, uh, and, and also a, a big congratulations to Beanie1872 for winning that, that print face uh, singer Murray as well. Um, right, so we're going to finish off on talking about, obviously, the youth team. That's why we've got you here, William. Um, could you just maybe tell us initially, that there's been quite a bit of change. Could you maybe just run us through what's kind of happened in the background? Yeah, they've obviously just kind of rejig things. You know, a lot of the staff are still really there that were there before. Um, they've brought in Cameron Campbell with the right to dream, who, who by all accounts, is a, a very, very good young Scottish coach. He's done a lot of his work kind of away from Scotland in recent years. I think he's going to be an exciting person when he comes in. You know, if you look at his Twitter page, if anybody gets the chance to you know, look at like his tactical things, like he'll you know, he'll put videos up and he'll analyse it and he'll kind of break down all the things. I mean, I think to me that is where football's going. You know, eh, all the analytical stuff is just massive now in football. And even at academy level, that's the case. Mark Spalding, I don't really know a huge amount about him, to be perfectly honest, but he seems to have been about in terms of his coaching. Yet again, he's another kind of new face that's come in and recently. Um, Graham Murray's moved up to a kind of almost like above the academy position now. He's going to like sort of oversee certain parts of it. Um, Peter Lovingcran's obviously moving on. I don't know if that's something that's been in the works for a while. That certainly wasn't anything we were aware of, but sounds like he could be off to Japan, which would be kind of strange. Mm. But, you know, if it's going to be his first chance to be a manager somewhere, then it was really difficult to turn down that opportunity. Um, but it looks like the new B team is going to be Kevin Thompson and Brian Gilmer. Brian, obviously, in the main, had been looking after the under-16s. He was the manager that took the players over to the Alcast this year. Um, and by all accounts, like a really good, smart, technical coach, as is Kevin Thompson. So that'll be interesting to see how those two align in a group um, and how that will work with the, you know, with the new format of games and how they're going to kind of schedule those over the period. The 18s, it looks like there's a kind of like a, sort of group of about three of them that seem to be kind of interloping in that group. Um, David McCallum will see like the sort of UEFA Youth League games. It looks like he's going to oversee those. Then like sort of Cameron Campbell's going to be there as well. I think I think it'll be interesting just to see how they're going to work this season because if there is teams that's going to pull out of like the 18s league and the reserve league, I really I suspect it's going to be a lot of best versus best games if they can get them once mm-hmm. you know a lot of the guidelines kind of drop off. Um, and that'll be the interesting thing and it sounds like as well they're going to maybe pick certain players from each group potentially and pick the best players and kind of work with them 
So that might be that maybe picks like a Leon King out and say, look, you know, we're going to put you on a different kind of training path into the first team. But I mean, that's just rumour at the moment. I don't know if that's been confirmed. It would be interesting if it was true because some other academies down in England kind of handpick these guys and then gradually kind of work them into the first team. Even from a young age, they can be in, you know, training with the first team. So that seems to be a bit of the chatter that that could be happening. So maybe like... Well, can I ask you... Sorry, can I just ask you a really pointed, direct question? I think we covered some of this in your previous uh, visit to the podcast as well in terms of Nathan Parson. I'm yeah. Just wondering in terms of that right back berth, if there's any more detail of other players coming through. The reason I ask is um, kind of breaking news on the podcast. Um, that's Matt Polster confirmed by the club is leaving right. uh, this evening, going to New England Revolution. And so that frees up another space in the squad for a right back. We don't have anybody else naturally there in the first team squad. Right. It would sound like Nathan Parsons the immediate choice to come in and, uh, and, and push James Tavernier. Yeah, I mean, that certainly seems to be it. I mean, when I seen like, the squad list today and he was number 16, that kind of caught me off guard a little bit. You know, because my first thought was they might go out and bring somebody in, even for a year, to allow Nathan to go out and loan. But it sounds like they've made the decision, maybe at the start of pre-season or after a week or two of pre-season, whatever there's been, and they've just decided that they're going to move Nathan up and that the opportunity to move Matt on for a fee just makes a lot of sense. To me, Nathan's a very classy fullback. He's very aggressive going forward. He's certainly improved a lot over the last couple of years. He certainly won't be daunted by, you know, playing in the first team. He doesn't kind of strike you as that kind of guy that kind of worries about anything. Seems quite relaxed. And I think it's exciting for the academy. You know, we've been kind of shouting about it now for the last couple of years that we need to see one or two guys there in and around the first team. And it motivates guys like Leon King, guys like mm-hmm. Charlie Lindsay, like, you know, Dapo Mabuti, like Joyce Pitt. Like, they need to see that there is that pathway. And if Nathan is going to be the backup to Tav, then he'll certainly get some first team games this season, whether it's cup games, whether if Tav's picked up an injury, which is quite rare for Tav, to be fair, or suspension. So it would be great for Nathan, even if he's on the bench, Mm-hmm. You know, the, the experience that he'll take from that is incredible. And the same with Kai. I mean, Kai's the same. Kai's a terrific number 10. You know, if he's going to be the backup to Hadji, you know, if Yanis needs a break and we're playing, yeah, again, no disrespect to these teams, but maybe like a St. Mern at home or a Hamilton at home, might be that Kai can get 60 minutes, 70 minutes. I mean, it's incredible. It? Yeah, again, Kai's another one that's out of contract at the end of the season. So they've probably kind of got to show Kai that they see a future for him. But you see, again, he's another kid that's had a lot of interest in him. So the club need to make sure that they keep a hold of their best young players. And by showing this pathway, it'll also help the guys who are 16, 17 and 18 sitting thinking, well, you know what, if they can do it, I can do it as well. And that's been kind of one of the flaws in recent years. Can I, sorry, can I, can I just take you back as well? You were talking obviously about Peter Lovencrantz leaving, I believe yeah. that, and I might not be right, I think Vignal's away as well. Um, yeah, I think he's left the ladies team by all accounts. I mean, yeah, again, that news didn't really seem to be that kind of well spoken about at the time. I think uh, Malky Thompson's kind of taken up the reins in the short term because I think he was kind of assisting them. I don't know if they're going to appoint a new coach or not. Um, Gregory obviously came over, was working part-time in the guys' academy or the, and then he kind of got moved over to the female team. So I don't know if something's happened there or if they're just going down a different route or they've Maybe they just want a female manager to 
you know, to run the team. I don't know. I mean, it seems it's, it's sort of come out of the blue because like, nobody really seemed to be, be talking about that either. So I don't know if that's something that's been on behind the scenes or it's just been that, you know, they want something different. I thought it was a bit strange, but with the women's team, like, because uh, a bit into their season, they brought in that uh, the Malky. Sorry, I can't remember. Oh, Johnson. Malky had been. Malky yeah. Johnson. But uh, kind of like a wee bit into the season, I kind of thought that was a kind of sign to me. I thought maybe they thought uh, Vignal could have done with the kind of experience that he brought to to the club. Yeah. Possibly. I mean, like, uh, Malky had been working in the academy for a few years and he, he obviously kind of drank kind of some of the younger age groups, helping out. So, yeah, like, it did seem quite strange that all of a sudden they'd moved over. So I don't know maybe if they just wanted change in the summer and maybe this was their opportunity to kind of do it. I think I think when you look at like a lot of the things that's happening in the world now, it would maybe make more sense to have a female women's manager for the team. And maybe yeah. that's kind of one thing they're looking at. You know, maybe they're going to bring somebody in for abroad, maybe that's done something. I mean, like they're obviously quite, you know, trying to push into the American market now as well, it seems. But who's to say that it's not going to be somebody for abroad that's potentially going to come in and maybe they're looking to you know, sort of really galvanise the women's team because they're obviously spending money on it. You know, I mean, that was yesterday. Yeah. I think they announced yeah. two new signings. Yeah, these girls aren't leaving Glasgow City. You know, without probably getting a decent pay rise, I would imagine. I love that mm. of the other Rangers fans potentially, but I would imagine they've been told potentially who's taking over as well, and that might be another reason why they're coming. It might be so, somebody that's well known within, you know, Scottish football that's already there in in place and. The ringers are getting to confirm it. Maybe once somebody's contract runs out or whatever, I'm not really too sure. Somebody else we spoke about as well. Um, the last time you were on was Stephen Kelly. Yeah. Um, and obviously he's now went back out on loan to Ross County. Was that a surprise, or were you kind of expecting Stephen to go back out on loan? No, I think I think I probably said it the last time. I thought they would give him an extra couple of years and then send him out on loan again. Um, and I was I was speaking to kind of one of the guys the other day. I said if you look at the end of this season, Stephen Davis was probably in his last year. Mm-hmm. I think this is maybe Glenn Kamara's last year. I think if Glenn Kamara has a decent season this season and then goes and does well with Finland next summer, that could be your highest point to cash in on somebody like Glenn Kamara. And then Stephen can come back and could well then be part of the first team. And the fact that Ross County were, you know, were interested in Stephen, obviously they obviously think he's good enough to play at this level. And it's great for us. We can watch Stephen. I mean, I can graduate Stephen, you know, I sent him a wee message saying that's a great move for you. He said he was really, really looking forward to it. And the thing about being in Dingwall, there's no a hell of a lot else to do in the wing. <laughs> no. I mean, I think the only other decent thing that's in Dingwall is a Tesco. So <laughs> I'm not actually really too sure what else he's going to get up to other than playing football for Stephen. That's great. But we, we spoke about that well, the last time you were on, and I think it was Tommy that brought it up with the, the way the way they're doing things now with the youths when they're starting them off at the lower leagues and they're kind of working them through the leagues. Yeah. So is this maybe like a really important season for Stephen as well to show that in the in the top league he, he, he can perform and that might catapult him into the, the kind of first team plans for, for next season? Absolutely. I think if Stephen does well this year, I think there's every chance he comes back next year and is part of the squad. I mean... Stephen's one of those guys who certainly won't be phased by playing against Celtic this season at Aberdeen. If anything, Stephen, being the lad he is, he'll want to show all these other teams how good he is. And you're like, I'm sure Rangers will be watching every single game intently to see what he's doing, how he's coping with you know, the different styles of football and you know, how he copes playing at Celtic Park and 
all of these things. I mean, these are things that come into obviously consideration when you're bringing a guy into the first team. And the fact we're going to get, you know, a 36 game season, if Steven plays even 25, 30 of those games, that's massive for him. A bit like Robbie McCrory. I fully expect Robbie to go out and loan in the next week or two, potentially. You know, Eddie, like, you know, he needs another 30, 35, 40 game season somewhere. And then he comes back and he's going to challenge for that that first team jersey. Well, that was, who, that was who I was going to mention to you next, actually. Because yeah. let, let's face it, Robert, Robbie McCrory will be known to probably every Rangers fan. Yeah. You know, and if we can actually maybe just before we come to Robbie, if we can kind of cycle back and go yeah. to Ross for a, a second, um, yeah. I, I didn't, I don't know if you paid much attention to Ross when he was down at Portsmouth, but the reports that I'm seeing, and you kind of take everything on Twitter as gospel, but it's, this seems half and half with the Pompey fans about how he actually got on down south. I think it depends what you're looking for from Ross. I mean, to me, like. I'll probably only see Ross playing fullback maybe 10 or 15 times. I mean, I saw a few of the Pompey games on television whenever they were on Sky or BT or whatever, and I thought he was doing okay. I always think it's hard to judge a player when he's out and loan at times because it's hard to know the level they're playing at. I mean, I don't watch a huge amount of League One football or Championship football in England, really. I mean, any time I seen him, I thought he was doing okay. But we're still talking about a kid that I'm sure he wants to come back here and prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. Because he's always been one of those kind of kids. And I think he's going to come back. He's going to be hungry. He's going to want to show the manager that he you know, that he deserves a spot in the team. And some people will say, well, he's not good enough to be in the first team. Well, it was only a year ago the guy had played like 50 games for Rangers. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So, you know, it's, I'm always amazed at times with our fan base that guys can go from being very good players to being no shit. You know, and that's... <laughs> I mean, I always take things with a pinch of salt when I hear people saying, well, he's not good enough to play for Rangers. Based on what? Based on the fact you've seen him play, you know, like one of the two semi-finals for Portsmouth against mm-hmm. Oxford, so that means he's not good enough because you thought he was shit in that one game. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, to me, that's not a good enough reason to say that somebody's not good enough. I mean, it's, just, it's crazy. Like, some of the... Some of the like, so people's opinions on players at times can be quite erratic. I and mean, that's why I, I don't take a lot of what's said on Twitter too seriously. Because if it was up to people on Twitter, we'd be probably never have an academy player on the first team and we'd be just continually be spending 10, 15 million pounds every summer. Which isn't just realistic. And I think supporters have to start understanding that. There's still guys on there today saying, let's go and spend more money. Like, <laughs> mate, there's been a pandemic going on for the last six months and hardly any clubs have got any money. You know, we're not going to go and sign a £10 million striker this summer unless, like, Morelos leaves, and even at that, you know, we're not going to spend massive amounts of money on the replacement, I don't think, personally. Well, I'll tell you something, this is the quietest I've ever heard Tommy. He just seems to be sitting back enjoying the pod there, Tommy. You all right? You know, it's nice It's nice just to hear somebody else uh, to speak. But the thing is, I, I agree. Um, although, although I think maybe the only thing I'd possibly have a different opinion on was just that last comment about the Morelos money. Like if Relis was to go, if you're going to be bringing in somebody who's of a similar quality, unless you're taking a punt, by and large, or if you're looking at somebody like a Kmart roof or something like that, you're going to be spending somewhere in the six, seven million kind of pro- I think you would be doing about, and, and I know you you mean that, William, in terms of it would still be an outlay. It's just not going to be a, a range that's going to run out the door and spend 20 million. 
to bring yeah, in this thing. Of course they're not. Yeah, I get that. You know what I mean? I mean, it looked to me like so we paid a million pounds for Morelos. So if the yeah. club bring in 15 or 20 million pounds, it's a massive, massive profit. And I, I mean, one of, the, one of the arguments I've had with other guys at the game is about, you know, Edward's a great player. I'm saying, well, he costs Celtic nine million pounds. I say, look, Morelos cost us a million pounds. I say, so if you make 15 million on Edward when he moves on potentially, and Rangers sell Alfredo for 15, it's still the same profit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? But people are going about, oh, but he's a 30 million pound player, he's a 15 million pound player. I said, I know, but he costs a million and he costs nine. Mm-hmm. I said, so there's a massive difference in the context of when they sell somebody. So every time they spend, I don't know, like five million on a centre back, by the time they have paid that guy's wages, had to sign an on fee, the agency, it's massive. Mm-hmm. Well, I completely agree. I'm more interested in, uh, it's, it's similar to yourself, or you I suspect, and everybody else. I'm not particularly interested in um, what the number is that we end yeah. up selling, right? I'm more interested in what is the profit the Rangers have just made. Absolutely. The profit's what, what the business model needs to be. And Absolutely. that goes into the bank, and then that helps to refund the squad or do other things. So, aye, the headline numbers, aye, I, I completely agree with you. But that's the only point I was saying that I think in order to, just the situation we're in, yeah. in order to, I think uh, Morelos is one of those comes along once in a once in a blue moon type of thing. You get him at the right time where he's just about to pop and you need to do yeah. a bit of developing. You get him for a, a million quid. Amazing. You will sell him on for a massive value. In order to replace that at Rangers immediately, yeah. you would have to go out to a Kmart roof or whatever number uh, names are on the Rangers lists and you're going to be spending somewhere in the five to six to seven region maybe. And um, remembering that uh, Ryan Kent costs seven and a half, but that's the English market as well. Yeah. Five, six, seven to get somebody who's going to almost guaranteed, and there are no guarantees in life, but almost guaranteed buying some goals in uh, and then spend maybe some of the other money on trying to find another diamond. Well, you know, I think again, you some of the leagues in Europe at the moment who are struggling because, you know, it's sort of television money. I mean, yeah. how many of the surprise of Rangers look at some of these places like Belgium and they maybe think, you know, they're always here. You know, there are a few issues at the moment, you know, possibly the league's getting voided now because it sounds mm-hmm. like that could be hitting home. So what's the problem with being cheeky and going to Anderlecht and saying, well, there's two and a half million pounds for Kima Roof? You know, I mean, I don't, ha- I don't think there's a possibility that we're going to spend massive amounts of money. But, I mean, if you need to spend three or four million pounds when we're getting 15, 16, 17, 18 million for Morelos, that's still great business for the club. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, oh, and yeah, just, I, just, absolutely. just, sorry, Tommy, sorry, just to, to avoid a, to avoid offending Tommy's brother-in-law. I'm very conscious of time, so uh, William, just, just a final question on the youth then, and obviously it's the hottest property in the youth market. Everybody knows his name, Robbie McCrory. As soon as we signed John McLaughlin, even before that, I think most of us would have thought he's definitely going back out on loan for at least one more season. Yeah, look, it always seemed like the obvious thing to do. They've obviously gave him, what, an extra year, I think it is, on his contract now. So even the year out in loan, it's not actually affecting his contract situation. He's still going to come back with two years left on it. And I would imagine, yet again, when he comes back, they'll probably look to extend that again. I mean, me personally, like, it seems like this has always been the case with Robbie, that they've always foreseen him taking this path, you know. So since he's been, like, 16, 17 years old, that you know, like it pretty much has seemed like this is what they've seen in him, and that's why he went to Berwick Rangers, and that's why he's been out and won the championship a couple of times, and why he's been at Livingston. 
So this has been a long road to get to where he's going to get to, which is, in Rangers' opinion, it looks like to be the first choice keeper for 10 years, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, I mean, that does seem to be what they're looking at. And if you can do that, I mean, it's massive savings for the football club as well. Same with Nathan. If Nathan goes on to have a good career, how much money are you saving? No, I want to buy a right back. Same with Kai's a number 10. You know, Leon in a couple of years' time. Charlie Lindsay in a couple of years' time. This has to be the model. Mm. You know? Aye, definitely. It's got definitely. to be. Is there any kind of rumours going about where uh, Robbie could be going? I think it'd be quite good to get him back at Livingston again. Well, yeah, again, they don't really seem to have added anybody in that like sort of capacity, so I'd imagine yeah. that could be one. I think, from what I've been reading, I don't think uh, Kelly have actually got a goalkeeper. Uh, well, no. I'm sorry to jump in. Uh, I, I hear Celtic are looking for a keeper. Oh, <laughs> I know, but if it's, it depends. They might get out bid for, but, for um, Robbie. <laughs> look, I think, I think if you're putting two and two together and making five, Rangers might... You know, if Rangers want Dykes, then they could use Robbie as part of the bait. And say, look, we'll send you loan for a season if you knock off a couple of hundred grand off the loan fee or whatever off, you know, sort of Dykes' fee, sorry. I don't know. Like, it just, it just kind of adds up. I don't know why we would get back after Canberra. I don't think he did enough to deserve to come back. Dykes would be a totally different option to anything that we've got at the moment. I, I think possibly that might be one of those things that could possibly happen, but I know, listen, that, that could open up a whole new conversation that we just well, simply do that, that, that we simply do not have the time for. Um, I just want to throw this in here while we're talking about striker. <laughs> just while we're talking about, I've been silent for too long. Um, Lyle, Lyle Taylor, he left Charlton, and there's still been the movement there, has there? Absolutely not. And do you know what? We'll talk yeah. about that we'll next either. week. All right. Any signs Tom, or signs for somebody else? Tommy McIntyre. Tommy McIntyre, Wally Boyd, as ever, thanks very much. Wally yeah, Irwin, guys. honestly, mate, it's brilliant having you on and you're welcome back anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks very much. That's great Bye, to hear guys. about the youth, Senate. And Thanks to the listeners and the viewers, and we shall speak to you next week.